0: Hi everybody. Welcome back to episode 50 of Kentucky History and Haunts. I can't believe it's been 50 episodes already. Um I told you guys from the very beginning that as long as people were listening to the show, I would keep putting out episodes and that is exactly what's happened. So um it's been really fun. I've met some new people along the way, made a lot of new connections, uh learned so much and you know, it's just been a great process. So Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you so much to my new monthly supporters. I really appreciate that. There is a tier for just 99 cents a month. Um, so you can go You can go there. Um, you can get to that by going to kyhistoryhaunts.com. Uh, there is a donate tab that will redirect you on that page to where you can sign up to support the show. Um, so again, thank you all so much. And now on to today's episode. Um, <laughs> this is... This is the story of the hanging judge, Roy Bean, and I'm just going to tell you straight up, Judge Roy Bean was not a good guy. In fact, he sounded like a pretty terrible guy, but he had a very interesting life, and uh, he was born right here in our state of Kentucky, so that's who we're going to talk about today. Enjoy. Roy Bean was born in or around 1825. Wikipedia says he was born in Mason County, but other websites that have researched his genealogy say he was born in Shelby County, which is a little weird because those two counties aren't really near each other geographically. But the bottom line is he's a Kentuckian and his parents were Fantley Roy Bean Sr. and Anna Henderson Bean. He was one of four sons, and they also had a daughter, and that's a lot of mouths to feed, and they were not a financially stable family. So at 16 years old, Roy Bean took off to New Orleans, looking to find a job and kind of start his own life. But Roy Bean got into some trouble in New Orleans, and so he quickly had to move on to San Antonio, Texas, where he met up with his older brother, Sam. Sam Bean and uh, Sam really had his own story uh, he was a truck driver and a bullwhacker, and he would haul freight to Santa Fe New Mexico and even further to Chihuahua Mexico he fought in the Mexican American War and then after that is when he met up with his brother Roy and together they moved back to Chihuahua to open a trading post uh, so that was in 1848 but it wasn't long before Roy Bean murdered a guy who had threatened to, quote, kill a gringo. So Roy recognized that getting arrested in Mexico for murder probably wasn't a great next step. So together they skipped town. Roy ended up in San Diego by the spring of 1849. And he had an older brother there too. um, That was Joshua Bean. And Joshua Bean was about to be elected the very first mayor of San Diego. Um, And it sounds like around this time, Roy Bean discovered that he was quite the ladies' man. And, of course, he also started making some more enemies. He was challenged to a pistol shooting match on horseback by a man named John Collins. Um, And so Bean was supposed to choose the targets they would use, and Bean chose that they would shoot at each other. So, I mean, it's just a duel is what it sounds like. So in 1852, they shot at each other on horseback. Um, Collins was hit in the arm, and I think Bean went unscathed. They were both arrested and charged with assault with intent to murder. And remember, Bean was quite the ladies' man, so for the duration of the two months that he was in jail, he, he was well taken care of. He was sent all kinds of gifts. He would get food, wine, cigars, flowers, you name it. But one very important gift he received while behind bars was a case of tamales. And hidden in that case of tamales were a couple of knives. And Roy Bean used those knives to dig out of his cell and escape on April 17, 1852. Next, he fled to San Gabriel, California, where his brother Joshua had opened the Headquarters Saloon. That November, Joshua was murdered and Roy took over the bar. Two years after that, the woman Roy had been dating was kidnapped and forced to marry a Mexican officer. And obviously that didn't sit well with Roy Bean, so he went and challenged that guy to a duel, and he killed him. Well, the dead officer's friends were really upset about this. So they put Bean on a horse. They attached a noose to a tree and around Bean's neck, So that when the horse started walking away, Bean would hang. But this would be a really short episode if Bean died then. So he was able to survive because the bride of the man he killed was hiding behind a tree. And she was able to come up and cut the rope. So he had these scars and chronic neck pain from the incident for the remainder of his life. Now, after all this, Bean thought, you know... Maybe I'm done with California for a while. So he went back to see his brother Sam, who was now living in New Mexico. And Sam had actually become, by that time, the first sheriff of Doña Ana County. They must have just been like a wildly charismatic group of guys. So together, Sam and Roy opened a store and a saloon on Main Street in Pinos Altos, and they advertised the place as having liquor and a fine billiard table. So I would say that was sort of the first full stage of Roy Bean's life. Um, Things kind of even picked up pace after that. So the Confederate Army invaded New Mexico during the Civil War, and they lost their supply wagons and were forced to retreat to San Antonio in the spring of 1862. And um, Bean took some money from Sam's safe and decided to join the Confederate Army. He ran the naval blockade by hauling cotton from San Antonio to British ships off the coast of Matamoros uh, and returning with supplies. And then after the war, he lived in San Antonio for the next two decades working as a teamster. He also tried to start a firewood business, but got caught cutting down his neighbor's trees. And then he tried a dairy business, but was caught watering down his milk. Uh, he also did a stint as a butcher using unbranded cattle from other ranchers. So, not exactly a successful entrepreneur. In October 1866, Roy Bean married an 18 year old named Virginia Chavez. He was arrested for aggravated assault and threatening Virginia's life within a year of them saying I do. Apparently in court, she was asked to show the room her scars, and when she refused to do so, the case was dismissed. So things were not peachy, but they went on to have four children anyway, Roy Jr., Lara, Zulima, and Sam, and they also adopted one son. And at first, they lived in what was described as, quote, a poverty-stricken slum area called Beanville. In the late 1870s, Roy Bean ran a saloon in Beanville, but apparently he was not super well-liked by his community. In fact, another store owner in Beanville, quote, was so anxious to have this unscrupulous character out of the neighborhood... That she bought everything he owned from him for almost $1,000 so that he would leave San Antonio. And so he did. Alone, apparently, because he and his wife had separated. Although they were married on paper for 14 years. And at this point, the children were not living with either of them. They were living with family friends. So now, Roy Bean had some money, burning a hole in his pocket from selling all his belongings. He bought a tent, some supplies, and 10.55 barrels of whiskey. And uh, it's 1882 at this point. Roy Bean has been around the block a time or two. So he opens yet another saloon near the Pecos River in a tent city he called Vinegaroon. And within 20 miles of this tent city were 8,000 railroad workers. And now think about this. The closest court was over 100 miles away at Fort Stockton. So there was no law and order for all these people. So a Texas ranger suggested that there be a local law jurisdiction set up in Vinegaroon. And so on August 2nd, Roy Bean was appointed Justice of the Peace for the new Precinct 6 in Pecos County. Uh, If you're curious the whereabouts of this, uh, Pecos County is about due west of Austin, fairly close to the Mexican border. So yeah, Bean was now a man of the law, and I'm guessing the people who appointed him didn't really do much of a background check. Um, One of the first things Bean did as Justice of the Peace was shoot up the saloon shack of his competitor. And then not long after that, Bean realized he would have to have a place to actually hold court. So he turned part of his saloon tent into a sort of makeshift courtroom. And he would refer to himself as the, quote, only law west of the Pecos. And I guess Bean was sort of an old-fashioned guy because even though new laws were being made and old laws were being changed, he would refer to one law book and one law book only. And that was the 1879 Revised Statutes of Texas. And um, wherever you look, it says that whenever newer books showed up, he would use them as kindling. So he was not interested in learning about new laws and certainly not enforcing them. In Bean's court of law, there were no hung juries and no appeals. And he would use his best bar customers as jurors, meaning the drunkest guys in town made the decisions as to whether people were innocent or guilty. So that's good. And uh, guys, I have to tell you, Judge Bean was not a great judge. Um, There was this Irishman named Patty O'Rourke, and O'Rourke went and murdered a Chinese laborer. And he was put on trial, and a mob of 200 angry Irishmen surrounded his courtroom and demanded that O'Rourke be acquitted, or they would lynch Judge Bean. So Judge Bean flipped through his 1879 law book, and here's what he decided. That, quote, homicide was the killing of a human being, However, he could find no law against killing a Chinaman, and the case was dismissed. So just like a super racist shithead, basically. Now, by December of that year, the railroad construction was done in that area, so there wouldn't be as many people there to keep track of. And there wasn't as much need of it for a peacekeeper, and I use that term loosely. There also wasn't much of a need for a bar there anymore, so... Judge Bean picked up and moved the same direction as the railroad construction workers, specifically 70 miles away to what used to be called Strawbridge and what's now called Sanderson. And At that point, I guess he decided he really wanted his kids back with him, so he sent for them. Um, Even though it doesn't sound like he really had adequate living quarters for the kids, um, his youngest, Sam, slept on a pool table in the bar. And things didn't go well in Strawbridge. In fact, one of his competitors put kerosene in his liquor. So he packed the kids up and he moved on another 20 or so miles to Eagle's Nest, which would later be Langtree. Uh, The original owner of the land in that area must have heard that Roy Bean was bad news because when he sold the 640 acres to the railroad for construction, it came with a stipulation that no part of the land could be leased or sold to Roy Bean. But of course, Bean found himself a loophole. Uh, O'Rourke, the guy whose murder case he dismissed, kind of gave him this advice on how he could use the railroad right-of-way, which was not covered in the contract between the landowner and the railroad company. So for the next two decades, Bean operated on land he had no legal right to use. The next saloon Roy Bean to open was called the Jersey Lily in honor of his favorite actress, Lily Langtree. I think it's still there, as far as I can tell, and you can see pictures of it online. He never made change for drinks, so whatever amount of money you handed him for your drink, that's how much it cost. And if a customer complained about this, they would be fined the difference for disturbing the peace. The town of Langtree didn't have a jail. So... <laughs> If you couldn't pay your fines, you were just chained to a tree outside the bar. And every crime was punishable by fines. It didn't matter what it was. Always a fine. And 100% of the fines collected were pocketed by Bean himself. Nothing to the local government, nothing to the state. And if any higher up ever came in and questioned this, it sounds like he would basically tell them, look, I'm keeping things in order here. I'm not causing you any trouble. Um, just be grateful that I'm here doing this and carry on. And so it sounds like he really got away with it. Uh, typically, if you were fined, the amount you were charged was whatever amount he found on your person at the time of your arrest. So let's talk about a couple of these strange verdicts he would he would hand out. Uh, there was a guy who fell from this tall bridge over the Pecos River and he died. And when his body was found, he had a pistol on him and he had $40 dollars. And so Judge Bean gave this guy a $40 posthumous fine for having carried the concealed weapon, plus a burial fee and court costs. And at this point, uh, Roy Bean was also the coroner, FYI. So, yeah, so now he was charging burial fees uh, to people that were already dead. Next, there were divorces. So um, Judge Roy Bean didn't actually have the power to legally grant a divorce, but he charged people $10 to do it anyway. So he could marry people, and he charged $5 for that, and so his line of thinking was like, well, if I can be responsible for helping people make the mistake, I should also be responsible for undoing it. And at the end of every marriage ceremony, he would finish, and may God have mercy on your souls, which is typically something you say in a negative situation, like when someone is dying, but that's what he would say at the end of his marriage ceremonies. Um, So that's how things went in Judge Roy Bean's jurisdiction. And he actually won re-election in 1884, and then he lost in 1886. But um, just as he lost, there was another new precinct that popped up in the same county, and he was elected to justice of the peace there. And he kept getting re-elected until 1896, which is just wild to me. And even after he lost an election in 1896, he would still just move on and find a new area with no law and order and he would just start putting people on trial um and i mean why not it was easy money for him so even though his nickname is the hanging judge we only knew of two instances where he actually sentenced men to hang um one of them escaped and the other it just didn't get carried out and uh he had to deal with a lot of horse thieves and stealing horses was a pretty big pretty big deal back then. And so while in other courtrooms, horse thieves were pretty commonly sentenced to death, he would let them go if they returned the horses. Just a few other interesting things about his later life. Um, there was the railroad developer, Jay Gould, who was a pretty big deal, like one of the wealthiest men of the era, And Judge Roy Bean heard that he was coming into town. He'd be passing through by train. And so Bean used a danger signal to get the train stopped. And Gould and his daughter got off. And they ended up spending the whole afternoon in the Jersey Lily with Judge Bean. And apparently this caused a, quote, brief panic on the New York Stock Exchange when it was reported that Gould had been killed in a train crash. Bean had other interests, too. In 1896 he organized a world championship boxing title bout between Bob Fitzsimmons and Peter Mayer on an island in the Rio Grande, which was just across the river from his town of Langtree. This bout was won by Fitzsimmons after only one minute and 35 seconds. But Bean made a lot of money off of it, and the whole thing just made him pretty well known. And after that, he did use some of the money to take care of the poor people in his community, as well as provide free firewood to the local schoolhouse. So there were instances of him doing nice things. Um, but, I, you know, from what I understand, it, it really looks like the, the bad kind of outweighed the good. Uh, but anyway, Roy Bean died on March 16th, 1903, after what sounds like some nights of heavy drinking in San Antonio. And if we have his birth year correct, that would have made him 78 years old. And roughly 10 months after he died... Lily Langtree, the actress he had a major crush on, went to visit the town of Langtree he'd named after her. There's an official Texas historical marker in honor of Roy Bean at the Whitehead Memorial Museum in Del Rio, Texas. There was a TV show, a TV series called Judge Roy Bean in 1955. And he's been included as a main or supporting character in many movies and TV shows, books, video games, songs, comics. Paul Newman played him in a 1972 biopic. Uh, He was even referenced in an episode of The Sopranos. There's a roller coaster named after him at Six Flags Over Texas. Uh, There's beer named after him. There are bars named after him, restaurants. Um, So yeah, there's all this stuff. Named after him in our pop culture. And yet, he was, by most accounts, a pretty terrible guy. Uh, there are a lot of great photographs of him on the internet, if you want to look him up. and he, he looks exactly what you are probably picturing. He looked exactly like what I was picturing. Um, of course, you can also look up the photos of Paul Newman playing him in the movie, and that's even better to look at, if you ask me. Um... So yeah, I'll leave you with this final quote about him. Uh, This is from a historical article uh, written in the San Antonio Express from December 31st, 1933. And they wrote, Nobody else has filled his shoes. Maybe nobody wants to. You can head to the website, kyhistoryhaunts.com, to learn more about this episode and to watch some videos. If I ever need to make a correction or you have a topic suggestion, you can shoot me a message on social media or email kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. And if you haven't already done so, please take a quick moment to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. That sure does mean a lot to me. Thank you once again for listening and supporting the show. And until next time.